0: Love, Hope, Radio I definitely say what's on my mind And I don't live with any regrets Radio and TV broadcasting is just in my blood I'm a Tebow This is my DNA And this is the Jennifer Tebow Show And me, I'm Jennifer Tebow Good morning. Good morning, Dallas, North Texas. Oh, really, the world. Today is Monday, August 8th, 2011. It is 6 a.m. Central Time. Are you awake? Are you wide awake? Apparently, my computer is not. (laughs) I'd like to welcome you all to the Jennifer Tebow Show. And like the intro said, I am Jennifer Tebow. Thrilled to be here. Um, as, As luck would have it again for the second week in a row, just as I get really close to the start time to broadcast a simulcast, as you all know, I broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as Ustream.TV. But just just as I do that, uh, my computer that I broadcast the video from decides to go, I don't know, halfway asleep, maybe it's, you know, woozy, I don't know what's going on with it. So then I decide, okay going to restart it. I've got a little bit of time. I usually get this going in prep time almost an hour before the start of the show. Yes, I'm an early bird. And then it just gets really super slow in deciding it wants to restart. So then I get impatient. As many of you may know me personally, I can be very impatient. So I do the the hard shutdown, which is just hold that power button down until it just dies. And so that was a beautiful thing, except for when you restart, my computer is so smart, it decides to realize, hey, we weren't turned off in the right way, so now we want to run through this disk check. So I have a feeling, my Ustream.tv folks, that you will not be able to see the show because I'm looking at a bunch of googly garb on my computer, so I certainly apologize. But you can always listen to Blog Talk Radio Live if you want to dial in. You can dial in at 347-637-1837. Again, 347-637-1837. That's how you connect with the Jennifer Tebow show if you want to come on to the show live. I must tell you that I am now officially screening calls. So can I get a ah uh, for the screen? <laughs> yes, yeah, so we, we can thank our anniversary. Um, crazed caller last week for the screening call It's very necessary it's one of those things I was talking about with a good friend of mine I said well you know it's really something I should have um, had a strong process to always screen no matter how much I expected people to dial in it's just a good practice to to just screen It, it just really is So um, at any rate, I am now screening calls. But again, three four seven six three seven one eight three seven. So if you do dial in to the show, just know that there could be anywhere between a five to ten minute hold time because I'm waiting until I get to a a true. um, I'm going to wait till I get to a true pause where I'm playing a pre-recorded piece, and then I will check you out. But I do appreciate everyone. Who's interested in dialing in. If this is your first time dialing in to the Jennifer Tebow show, this is this wild and crazy show that hopefully gives you a really, really good blend of um of some comedy, some news, some entertainment, just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff. So I hope that you enjoy the format. If you're listening to it live, if you are listening to the format. Uh, Via On Demand, thank you again, as many of you know. As soon as the shows wrap live, they immediately go into On Demand status, both on blog, talk, radio, as well as in iTunes. So I'm really happy about that. However, the video, if in fact we're able to have the video, the actual video um, at that stage of the game um, is available via On Demand on Ustream.tv. I'm getting really scared, guys, as I'm saying, um because I'm, I'm watching a whole lot of deleting index entry. Uh, let's just hope that my, hopefully these are temporary files and not things that are very important. It makes me nervous that my computer is crashing while I am doing this show. Uh But I tell you what, it's great meeting people who listen to the show. I'm, I'm always amazed that this little idea of one year ago has really grown into weekly love, kind of love on both sides. So, um, you know, I'm working on a new intro. I've got this I've got this great isolation booth that just came in. So I'm looking forward to having some fun projects to kinda of come out of that and some new equipment as well. So I'm upgrading around here. That's all right. That's the the Jennifer Tebow show is all about upgrading. All right, so this past week was really fast and furious and everything in between. Trust me when I tell you this. But after I wrapped last week's show and dealt with the little crazy caller situation, I was set to tackle my week. And so I was invited, as you all may remember, I was invited to be a panelist at the White House Urban Entrepreneur Summit in Orlando, Florida, at the National Entrepreneur Center formerly, by the way, the Disney Entrepreneur Center. Did you all know that that even existed? Uh, It's a great, great place. They actually train thousands every year um, in our great resources, the city of Orlando. Um, Equally, Orlando, by the way, is is like one of the top 20 cities to start a business because your operating costs in Orlando are pretty low. So it's a great place to be an an entrepreneur. And they actually about 25% women-owned businesses in uh, Orlando. So it's just a great place to start a business. So pretty cool deal. So the first couple of days I spent prepping and doing the rest of my normal crazy days. And then suddenly I was getting myself together to actually leave my house very early in the morning for the day trip to Orlando. And I fell down the stairs of my house. Can you believe that? I'm like brushing I've already got my suit on, can't you see it, with, you know, these high heels on. I I need to make one trip upstairs so that I can just grab, I think it was like a stack of business cards. And I had my cell phone in my hand. That's all I needed. Everything else was was in the car. And as I get to the third to last step, luckily I was pretty close to the bottom, my heel catches on the step and I fall straight for it. It was literally like the nightmare that I always thought could happen. Actually, happened, and unfortunately, because my hands were full, I could not grab onto the banister like I would like to have, and card flew and cell phone flew, and my hand somehow, I think, grabbed the spindle on my way down, but I cut my hand and actually bonked my head somewhere. Um, I'm not sure where. <laughs> so um, there's one thing that you have to know about me, and it's very important. This is like that personal, private time that I'm just going to share with with everybody, I don't really ever do anything halfway. And so, you know, if I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall all the way with the suit on, getting the hand cut, hitting the head when you have no time to cry or whimper. If that's how I'm going to do it. That is that is so totally me. And so, sure enough, um, I did that at 5-something in the morning. But I popped up and, you know, off the floor and had to continue on. I will tell you that being a panelist was great. Um, and the White House really brings together wonderful experts and practitioners to help identify resources. So they go figure by Friday, I had this massive headache and this major back pain that, that had me in major pain by Saturday. You know, who would think when you fall down the stairs that you're actually going to have pain afterwards and, you know, potential problems? So life slowed me down and I responded by listening. So thank goodness I am truly a-okay from the fall. I actually did have to get checked out um, because that, that pain was a little bit too much for me. Um, as we get older, everyone, now maybe this is only a revelation to me, so I could be talking to myself, but as we get older, we are certainly not as nimble as we would like to be, so such is life. All right, so some quick news updates to report uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays fans really got down and dirty for the almighty ball. On Saturday night at Tropicana Field, a foul ball hit by Sean Rodriguez landed in the most conspicuous place you can imagine a trash can. And would you believe it didn't stop Craze fans from going head first in the trash to retrieve the ball? I mean, really? A ball? And multiple fans, by the way, yes? Yes, multiple fans were fighting their way through only God and the city dump knows what to get to that ball. And would you believe that security actually had to come and break it up and rule that the ball would stay in the trash? Now, how do you explain going home smelling like beepity beep and having no ball to show for it? I mean, gives new meaning to having beepity beep for brains. (laughs) ha, ha so sad. I worked on that joke all night. Thank you very much. <laughs> but a ball, I mean, really? I mean, we've got people dying behind a ball. It's so interesting. So I've spent a lot of time over the past several weeks in sporting goods stores, buying stuff uh, for myself and for my daughter for our little physical activity pursuits. And I'm looking at every time, I, I have to tell you, this, every single time I pass this, this, this little stash of baseballs. And every single time I think to myself, baseballs are, they're selling them for like two, three bucks. I mean, baseballs are very cheap. So, I mean, God bless the man, but the man that, that, you know, felt his death over a ball and in front of his six year old. I mean, for a $3 ball, I understand that the ball was hit by, you know, de whoop. Okay, I get that part. I get that part. I think all of those people that have suffered all those major injuries, would well, much rather just buy a three dollar ball and just lie and tell the story. Now I'm not advocating lying by any means, but goodness, at that point, lying is a lot safer than what these people are going through. The trash, but I can't even imagine digging through the trash. I'd just rather say I was there and then I bought a ball to commemorate the fact that I was close enough to get to the ball that was, to get to the foul ball that was hit. And That was like really a foul ball. <laughs> All right, so moving on, Deion Sanders gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall, um, Hall of Fame along with others, and at the conclusion of his speech, he placed a bandana on his bus. He actually said, you know, I like this guy, but there's something missing, and he pulls out a bandana and puts it on the head of the bus. Truly, I will have to say, I never thought that I would see one of those busts. I have a bandana on it. As many of you know that I uh, went to Canton in, uh, uh, recently and filmed all, everything inside the Hope Football Hall, um, Hall of Fame Museum for the purpose of my documentary and spent, gosh, at least an hour and a half in the room with all the busts. So to imagine that there would have potentially been a bust that would have had a bandana on it, that's uh, really hilarious. So now it remains to be seen if the Hall of Fame will keep the bandana on the bus. I doubt it, but it would be pretty classic. But if for nothing else, I'll bet that the bandana stays as a part of the Hall of Fame. Um, I'll talk more about the induction and other inductees in sports in a few minutes, but that one was just worthy of quick news updates. All right, and unfortunately, staying with sports, football lost one of its greats. Bubba Smith was found dead in his home at age 66. Uh, Bubba Smith, known for his work on the football field and on screens, big and small, was found dead on Wednesday in his Baldwin Hills home. Uh, Charles Aaron, Bubba, um, uh, Bubba Smith, died at 66 again. He was found by his caretaker, who then called police, um, L.A. reported. Though, uh, though non-sports fans really might may know Smith best as the actor who played soft-spoken Moses Hightower in the Police Academy movies, and the man who loves Miller Lights, easy opening cans. He's already made his mark on the gridiron as a number one draft pick out of Michigan State University. He was inducted into the College Hall of Fame in 1988. The six foot seven Smith, born in Beaumont, Texas, played pro ball for the Colts 1967 to 1971, the Raiders 1973 to 74, and Oilers, 1975 to 76, taking home a Super Bowl ring with the then Indianapolis Colts in 1970 and playing in two Pro Bowls. In addition to his recurring character in the Police Academy film, Smith showed up in commercials on TV series, Uh, think B.J. and the Bear, McGuire, Heart to Heart, and in movies through the late 70s, 80s, and early 90s. With no signs of foul play evident, the L.A. County Coroner's Office said Wednesday that they believe Smith died of natural causes. All right, moving on to uh, a different type of woe, U.S. credit was downgraded from a triple A rating, and the world markets are reacting. So in response to the new debt deal reached by the U.S., raising the debt ceiling, a standard in poor, that's S&P, by the way, downgrade the U.S.'s credit worthiness for the first time in its history. Now, let's listen to uh, John Chambers, um, the ratings head for the S&P, explain why the company downgrades the U.S. credit rating from AAA to AA+. Now, Chalmers made this um, made this explanation happen um, on August 6th. So let me see if I can find it in my wonderful list. There it is. All right, let's let's
1: listen. Well, you know, we lowered the rating uh, yesterday uh, to double A plus on the U.S. government. I think there were two things that motivated the uh, uh, downgrade. First was we took a dimmer view of the political settings in the United States, the governability. The fact that you had a debt ceiling agreement that resulted in us and the government not uh, reaching agreement until 10 hours before they had a cash management program. I mean, this is not how most highly rated uh, governments uh, run themselves. There are very few governments of the 126 that we rate, central governments, that uh, separate, you know, the budget approval process from the funding process. And the other thing is, I mean, the the governability actually particularly pertains to the fiscal stance and the ability uh, to put that on a long-term sustainable footing. And here, you know, the level of debt that the U.S. government has And uh, the prospect of high single digit of GDP deficits uh, for the next several years is going to put it even to a higher uh, plane. And what we need is a medium-term fiscal plan uh, to uh, get that debt-to-GDP ratio to stabilize. And although we got part of the way there with the Budget Control Act of 2011, we didn't get uh, all the way there. And that's why the downgrade. So for the United States, you know, it's very strong on the economy. It's very strong on the monetary policy. If you factor in the dollar as key international reserve currency, its external position is all right. But really what has changed here is a a, a renewed appraisal um, of the political settings, which we think aren't quite the same caliber as our most highly rated governments. And secondly, a fiscal trajectory that we think um, is starting from a weak position and is going to get weaker.
2: All right.
0: So there's really this major fear that we're headed in a second wave of deep re- recession. There I utter the word depression. I actually think everyone's really, really scared of of that word depression. Uh, but it it looks like we might be headed that way. Now the remedy really is full time employment. So you know, and I've said this before, innovation must live as a priority in our country and really a first cousin to education. So I'll talk more about it in the coming weeks, but we can't allow ourselves to be reactive. Uh, We're really just too old of a country to be in a state of woe is me. Uh, It'd be different if we were this brand-new country trying to learn how to work together and live together. But we've got history on our side. We have 1929. We have a true depression that, by the way, while they were going through the Great Depression, they define that as a recession. So what will they define this period as? Well, it's really up to us um, for us to change that course. So it's time to snap out of it, and we cannot wait for a bailout. We must be proactive. And I'll talk more about it in the coming weeks, but just know that this is going to be very much top of mind for me. All right, so while we're thinking of the news, here is a brief uh, today in history according to... The Associated Press. Let's see. uh, Here's our Today in History.
3: I have never been a quitter. August 8th,
2: 1974. In Washington, Washington, President President Richard Nixon says he will resign amid damaging new revelations in the Watergate scandal. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford. We'll be swearing in as president at that hour in this office. 1963, Britain's great train robbery as thieves hold up the Glasgow to London mail train in an audacious heist. They steal 2.6 million pounds in banknotes, a sum that's equivalent to tens of millions of dollars today. 1942, in Washington, six convicted Nazi saboteurs are executed after landing in the United States during World War II. Two more saboteurs convicted in the case receive prison sentences. 1879, Emiliano Zapata, one of the major figures during the Mexican Revolution in the early 20th century, is born. And 1937.
3: is Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you?
2: After winning actor Dustin Hoffman is born in Los Angeles. Among his roles, The Graduate, Midnight Cowboy, Kramer vs. Kramer, Tootsie, and Rain Man. Today in History, August 8th, Sandy Cosell, The Associated Press.
0: All right, we're back on. And thank you, Sandy, from The Associated Press. I do appreciate all of the great reports that come out of The Associated Press. If you ever want to see uh, all of the stories that The Associated Press puts out first, usually first before anyone else, you can always visit their YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Associated Press. They've got great just-in-time stories. Also, I'm now on live with our Ustream people. Yay! So uh, my computer did not crash. That's the lovely thing. And thank you, my lovely Ustream folks, for being patient as as we get logged in. So uh, everyone's Seeing not the angle I'd like. There we go. All right. So now I've fixed the camera and we are in good shape. So for all my Ustream people, you just missed a lot of news updates. You're going to have to go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Jennifer Tebow to catch the first half of the show. All right. So now let's switch over quickly to some entertainment news. Uh, the Apes have it. Apes have climbed to the top rung of the weekend box office. The 20th, 20th Century Fox action thriller, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, took in $54 million to open as the number one movie, according to Studio Estimates Sunday, $54 million. Now, what I find interesting about that figure is that I just covered the fact that our credit downgraded from AAA to A AA plus. But we sure are some movie watching people, by the way, in in these crazy times. I will make a point, and uh, I will make a point that we had this happen before during the Great Depression. That's when we had a boom of of theater. So kind of interesting that in times of you know bad economies, we go watch TV. We we'll go watch the movies. So maybe that's helpful for movie theaters. Uh, but they opened as number one. So that was about 15 million to 20 million more than analysts expected for the Apes prequel, um, though well below the 68.5 million opening of Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes remake that happened 10 years ago. So featuring James Franco, Frida, P- uh, Frida Pinto, and Andy Serkis, Rise of the Planet of the Apes tells the story of how lower primates began evolving to take over. Planet Earth from humans. Uh, I saw the the actual preview of it, and I was really like sucked in. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is like so fascinating!" And uh, it was just kind of really interesting to see because the the makeup and all that. I mean, they really have they've got to they have real people playing all these apes, and the eyes are very much human eyes, and so that's this evolution. But it's scary to kind of watch, but it does suck you in. I did not see it this weekend. I, I'm just the kind of person that doesn't like to see all the crowds. I like to go on week two or three. Um, I know the theaters don't like that, but I like to go just to kind of beat the crowd. I like to go during the actual day, if at all possible. So let's talk about the top ten, and that's going to round out quickly my uh, entertainment. But coming in, of course, in the number one slot was Rise of the Planet of the Apes, 54 million. Uh, by the way, t- uh, 23.4 million international and number two was the smurfs smurfs that came in at 21 million 45.2 million international uh, cowboys and aliens at number three at 15.8 million at number four the change up at 13.5 million coming in the number five slot this weekend captain america the first avenger at 13 million 27.5 million international at number six, we've got Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two still hanging on at 12.2 million, 61.8 million international. We also have at number seven Crazy Stupid Love at 12.1 million. Number eight, we've got Friends with Benefits that that raked in a uh, 4.7 million. I actually saw that recently. It's pretty good. Uh, number nine, Horrible Bosses at 4.6 million. And seven point seven million international they raked in. And then we also had Transformers, Dark of the Moon, that raked in three million this past weekend, seventeen point five million international. And so uh that was an interesting weekend in entertainment. I was actually doing some voiceover work. And that's entertainment stuff. I was actually doing some voiceover work and uh one of the one of the voiceover Talked about Paramount theaters and when it was started during, by the way, our Great Depression. And so it was just interesting as I'm reading this voiceover because you have to practice your instrument, and my voice is my instrument. It's very interesting as I continue to read this script over and over and over and over again to uh, practice that it just kind of got burned in my head when Paramount started and the kind of golden years of, of Hollywood really happened around the time where we had the Great Depression and World War II, so a time where people really were trying to avoid uh, reality, uh, then that's where movies really allowed people to just kind of be taken away briefly. Um, So interesting interesting connection between real life. Now we have reality shows, which are so disconnected. um, It's kind of interesting that they're still around. But I digress most certainly. All right, just again, if you're interested in listening to the show, you're listening to the Jennifer Tebow Show, and if you want to dial in, you can dial in at 347-637-1837. Again, 347-637-1837. I am screening calls, and so that means that when you dial in, that I will screen you within about five to ten minutes. I'm just... The moment I'm able to play a video is when I have a chance to actually screen. All right, so let's talk about people in politics. And this one's really sad, so I have to take pause on this one. Navy SEAL Team 6 killed, among others. Um, you know, many troops were killed. Many American servicemen were killed. But if you thought we had weakened the, the Taliban, um, a resounding Message in my opinion, was sent to the U.S. over the weekend when a large transport helicopter was gunned down with no survivors on Saturday. So let's... So sad. So let's listen to uh, the Associated Press as they really did cover this Navy SEAL.
2: U.S. officials are telling the Associated Press that the American troops whose helicopter was shot down by insurgents we're on a mission to help a group of army rangers who had come under heavy fire. Twenty-two Navy SEALs, along with three Air Force combat controllers, a dog handler and his dog, plus four crew members, were all killed. Seven Afghan commandos and a civilian translator also died. People who live in this village, located about 60 miles outside of Kabul, say they heard the crash around 2.30 Saturday morning. This man says the helicopter was flying really low before it was hit by the Taliban. He says the chopper caught fire after it crashed. And hours later, he saw several body parts along the road. Some of them were badly burned. The attack marks the deadliest single loss of American forces in the decade-old war in Afghanistan. And it was a blow to the elite Navy unit that killed Osama bin Laden and their admirers. I was just on the internet and heard, heard on Facebook. It kind of hit me hard because I want to be an Navy Authorities say the men who died over the weekend were not the same people who participated in the bin Laden mission, but they were members of SEAL Team 6. In Virginia Beach, Virginia, an area with a large military presence, several residents say they probably knew at least one of the servicemen who died. It's
0: horrible. It is. It's really just... Other I than cry. You don't know what else to do, really. I mean, it's sad.
2: In neighboring Norfolk, a solemn moment before Navy night at a minor league baseball game. Loss of anyone
3: is, any one of those is uh, is tragic, but uh, such a large group together is, is, uh, that's a pretty tough one to take.
2: Back in Afghanistan, American and Afghan troops are battling insurgents near the crash site. Meanwhile, NATO is working to recover remains of the large transport helicopter. The clashes Sunday didn't appear to involve NATO troops. Sandy Kozell, the Associated Press.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy, again with the Associated Press. Really, really sad. National reaction to the death is really is just shock and awe, to say the least. Our temporary level of comfort that bin Laden was dead really is officially over, I'll have to say. Uh, you know, God bless our troops, those families and friends of the servicemen and women who really lost their lives. I'm going to have a moment of silence for them now. All right. God bless America. All right. Moving on to something that's not nearly as sad, but it's still um, certainly something to pay attention to. 45,000 Verizon unionized workers are currently on strike. Uh 45,000 workers of the Verizon Communications, Inc., from Massachusetts all the way to Washington, D.C., went on strike on Sunday, yesterday, after negotiations with the telecommunications company over a new labor contract fizzled. That's 45,000. That's a lot of people on strike, Um, a lot of people. So I've got another, yes, can you believe it? I have yet another clip about this strike. Let's listen to a quick clip again by the beloved Associated Press.
3: These Verizon workers on a picket line in Manhattan are among 45,000 that walked off the job Sunday, a contract that covered a fifth of the communications company's employees expired at midnight. Attempts to reach a new deal fizzled. Verizon workers from Massachusetts to Washington, D.C. are now on strike. The Communications Workers of America Union says Verizon wants more than 100 concessions. They include health care, pensions, and work rules. The workers covered by the now-expired contract work in the legacy business of the telecom giant, including landline phone service. That service has been declining for a decade. Verizon made a profit of more than $27 billion in the second quarter of this year, largely due to its growing wireless base. The company says it's activated a contingency plan to ensure customers experience limited disruption in service for the length of the strike. Matt Friedman, The Associated Press.
0: All right, thank you, Matt. Tough times to strike. You know, we're looking at a great deal of disagreement, really, ahead of us with unions. Period. I mean, look at all. The, if, if we didn't, if we didn't, haven't learned anything in 2011, that is, that when unions and the organization disagree, it really can be explosive and can really create a true work stoppage, bad blood. Uh, we're seeing that played out in sports. You saw it in football. Football is back. Now the NBA is on the lockout, and I'll talk about that as well. But, I mean, there's just continues to be fallout with unions. Am I bashing a union? Oh, absolutely not. But what I am saying is, is that there is, um, I think, a lack of communication and the ability to stretch, bend, and move to negotiate so that there's not a work stoppage. The interesting part about all of these work stoppages and disagreements between unions and organizations, everybody wants the same outcome at the end. They want to continue working, they want to maintain profitability, and with keeping that at the forefront, I do believe they have a better opportunity to reach an agreement sooner than later. Uh, sometimes, as we know, agreements kind of get in, into the, I'll show you how strong I am, and, it's, and all of a sudden, the true focus of the goal of maintaining profitability for the organization, keeping people working, sometimes that gets lost in the fight because conflict is just an ugly thing that confuses us and lets us believe that we need to be in the fight versus being into the resolution. So uh, I'm hoping that next week I can report that Verizon workers are back at work and everyone has come to a solution that people can live with. I really hope so. 45,000 is a lot of people and a really big hit uh, to our economy if, if they were to remain out of work and to remain without jobs. So the union is usually pretty well prepared when their workers go on strike to have a fund to be able to supplement. Uh, those workers, unfortunately, that fund doesn't always pay the full amount of the person's salary, so it's really a big step to say that you're going to strike, because that really is taking a leap of faith that you're going to accept less money and pray that this doesn't last too long. So um, just, again, God God bless those people, too. The world really will be watching, uh, it's not just the, the true U.S., because this, such a large company and their ability to bounce back and resolve conflict really serves as an example to other organizations and to other countries as to how we're handling this economic crisis. So it really is a bigger deal than just one company having workers that are striking. All right, so segueing into sports and striking and conflict and competition, uh, let's talk about the NFL, supposedly, they completed the CBA, uh, you know, supposedly, allegedly, all those fun words. Well, supposedly they did complete their CBA and it's been ratified. Now, this thing really is more complex than the than theory of relativity, in my opinion. Relatively speaking, the CBA is settled. It's been ratified. In theory, the sides agreed. But in reality, all sides were really not present to agree, And so here I am, sounding like this broken record each week, asking the real question, the question that my fellow news people, by the way, failed to air. What about the greatest theft of all time in sports? Retired NFL players have had their earned benefits stolen. Are we going to just continue to just stand by and watch those benefits just continue to be stolen? That's, like, really odd to me that why we are accepting watching it before our very eyes, retired NFL players having their earned benefits stolen. So I I will say, hey, they were hoodwinked. They've been bamboozled. They've been led astray. And don't be mistaken by smart wordsmithing by an NFL PR person. Um, They didn't land on concussions and brain injuries. Concussions and brain injuries landed on them. So let me stop, but you get the point. If you're a retired player listening to this show, please connect with Independent Football Veterans. There's strength in numbers. The best, the best place to go, in my viewpoint, is Daypair.com. Um, if you go there, they keep you informed, and you will get the information that you need to remain actively involved with winning back your earned benefits. Um, Daypair Group has another website too. I think it's IndependentFootballVeterans.com. But just go to DavePear.com. That's really easy to remember, D-A-V-E-P-E-A-R.com, and you'll get and get on their mailing list, and that way you'll get pinged every time they make an update to their blog. Um, and they're looped into all the other major uh, retired football player organizations like Gridiron Grades and 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 some other ones. So just a great place to get connected. And if you're not a retired football player but you want to stay Informed, because these retired players' benefits, these issues really do, um, really do affect every person, every taxpayer. But so if you want to stay informed and understand how your tax dollars are being used to really, as a payment plan, to pay for what an industry is turning back on, go to DavePear.com. All right, so three days ago, on the front steps of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and NFL Players Association uh, Executive Director DeMora Smith officially settled the NFL labor dispute. The two ceremoniously signed a 300-page collective bargaining agreement, a 10-year plan that should prevent any further labor strife until at least the year 2020. The ratification of the CBA on Thursday, this past Thursday, and the signing of it this past Friday morning officially ended the NFL's longest work stoppage. The NFL owners had locked out the players since the end of the previous CBA in March. Interestingly, not every team was behind the new CBA. The Pittsburgh Steelers voted no on the agreement. They said, we felt it was shoved down our throats, and this was described by Pittsburgh defensive tackle Willie Cohen. Pittsburgh Players Rep. Ryan Clark added that although he would not comment on the actual vote, he would state that several of the Steelers players were unhappy with the new CBA, specifically the continuance of Goodell as the sole man responsible for issuing and hearing appeals. On suspensions and fines for player conduct. That's really a sore spot because, with players because Goodell can just pick and choose when he decides to issue fines, the level of them. There's really no oversight. Uh, players really fought that. There's a lot of bad blood. Uh, Goodell obviously is not on any of the players' favorite person list. Goodell don't look for a Christmas present from any of the players. Um, and just this is this this is one this is that part of the deal. That they really didn't want. Also, HGH testing is now part of the new deal, so no doubt we'll see some news about that in the near future. Hmm. I'm actually really nervous about HGH testing. I, I feel like it was put into this CBA to and I talked about this before on the show, to really get people to the table um, I thought it was a bargaining chip for the owners to put on the table just to lure the players in, but the players to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, you are going too far for them to negotiate, but I just knew that HVH testing would be pulled out, um, especially with what a lot of the owners knew is happening in their ball clubs. So H D H testing is now part of the deal, and it's said that it's going to begin as early as September, um, so we should we should see it starting next month. I just have a feeling. I don't have any inside intel, but I will tell you. I have a feeling we're going to have story after story of violations. And anytime you add some new drug testing that wasn't that wasn't there before, then you know you you really do run the risk of there being uh, of being some fallout and some players that fall outside of the boundaries of that testing. So that's going to be a developing story, no doubt. All right, turning to the NBA, things are getting ugly, okay? Things are getting ugly. So NBA owners want a bigger piece of the pie because they are losing money. Uh, It's so hard to believe, I will tell you that. Uh, I'm going to borrow a a line from, uh, sorry, Coked Out Whitney Houston. I say that because she was on drugs at this point when she made this statement. She said, Show me the receipts. If, you know, owners, if you tell me you're losing all this money, show me the receipts. And honestly, I do have a very difficult time watching an owner get off their private jet and get into their chauffeured car and them to tell me that they are losing money on something that may be a major portion of their own personal revenue. So the last time the two sides had major disagreement was right at the '97. Ninety season, which in which 32 games were actually lost. The All Star game was was lost as well, and the season was reduced to a 50 game season. The Spurs won that season, and and you know that's my actually my third all time sports win that I just can't accept. I really don't. It's it's sad. I know. I just carry a grudge forever, but I just can't accept the Spurs winning after only a 50 game regular. I mean, I just don't think there should have been a playoff. I understand commercial wise and revenue wise they needed it. But from a champion standpoint, I just I don't think I would have accepted any of the winners but the Spurs. <laughs> Definitely not the Spurs that year. And so but I but I do digress. So time is ticking for pro basketball in the States as the regular season typically kicks off in the last week in October, with players needing to report to camp by late September. So before then, free agency has to take place, and we're so far away from that reality that I just hope people are football fans. So basketball fans, you might want to be football fans in this stage of the game. I mean, the sides are so far-hardened. Billy Hunter and, and, you know, all of that group and, uh, you know, I mean, they just, they're not even giving a glimmer of hope. Now, the interesting thing is it's very motivating once you realize revenue is going to be lost. Now, some of these players really do have an out. You hear about all of these players that are interested in going to play uh, overseas. Uh, Some of them have an out, but what a lot of people don't realize with these with these overseas options is that every overseas team can only, and I I really do mean this, every overseas team can only have um, x number of people from the United States actually on their squad. So, with that in mind there's really not as many job opportunities as one would think, certainly not for all of the NBA players. Uh, Does it mean they can't do anything else? No, absolutely not. And that's one thing that I I counsel a lot of my players about. Just because this revenue stream might be on hold doesn't mean that you freak out. doesn't mean that you change your spending habits uh, to spend extreme because you know it's coming back. It means that you change up what you do yeah I mean basketball, just like football and any other sport, is not going to last forever as a player, and so if anything, this is a fantastic reality check for these players to really realize uh what what's gonna happen to them the next two or three years or some five or maybe fifteen but it's this moment in time when the when your league will show you absolutely no love. It's going to happen. And so this is your opportunity to really explore what else do you want to do with your life and to really look at your resources. And, you know, that's the important thing. If we can learn anything from the NFL, an idle mind is the workshop. workshops. So we did see in the news, and notice I qualified that, in the news. We saw in the news more incidents of negative press about NFL players, probably just because they weren't practicing and they weren't working out and they weren't working towards their their normal goal that they're working towards at this time. And so what I don't want to see is the same thing happen to the NBA. Um, also, as many of you may realize, Major League Baseball, their collective bargaining agreement is slated to expire December 11th, I believe. It's, it's mid-December, although they're saying that they won't have this mess. They're saying they're going to have this shored up. Uh, Major League Baseball is kind of interesting because, on average, their average salary is $3 million. That's a far cry from both the NBA and the NFL. So I think Major League Baseball kind of has a better idea how to how to take care of their players. And that sport has been around as a professional league longer than all the others. And so, you know, maybe they've just figured out how to do it. Uh, But Major League Baseball says they've got it covered. NHL, National Hockey League, their CBA expires next year. I believe it's September. And then we'll also see sometime next year the Canadian Football League CBA expiring. So this is just, we're just popping off all these efforts. And what's interesting, most of them are probably going to do 10-year deals, which means 10 years from now, nine, 10 years from now, we're going to start having these exact same conversations. Are you going to still be dialing in to the Jennifer Debo show 10 years from now? I'm just curious. (laughs) I would love it if you could. I would absolutely love it. All right, a quick shout-out to the newest inductees of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Marshall Fox, Deion Sanders, Shannon Sharp, Chris Hamburger, Les Richter, Richard Dent, and Ed Sable. Uh, For those of you who don't recognize the name, Ed Sable, he is the founder of NFL film. Some people argue that you know he maybe should not have been in to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. My argument is he should have been in a very long time ago. I'm very glad that he was inducted. While still alive, um, he hasn't directed a an, an NFL film in quite some time. But this is a man, by the way, Ed Sable, just for those of you all who just didn't follow the uh coverage. This past weekend. This is a man who really semi followed his dream, but really kind of had to do what mom and dad said you need to be a coat salesman, an overcoat salesman. So he was kind of coaxed into this job he really didn't want to do, but it paid the bills. And then suddenly, but he had this love of Hollywood. Uh, and he did a few things in Hollywood, but never making a big splash. But my goodness, at the time that he was trying to make a splash, you had these fantastic you know, fantastic actors that were coming on to the scene. And so so he kinda of quieted down, but he looked at football and the way that football was being covered on television and thought, I can cover football differently. I can cover football like Hollywood. So he took his love of Hollywood and really added it to his to the way that he directed um, NFL T V and films, and, you know, it really brought true filmmaking to the sport. So you had slow motion and replays and coverage on the field. It wasn't just a static shot. Uh, It was really a great way, something to watch football. Now, most of us don't know football any different. And when we watch those old reels with the leather heads and the black and white, we just kind of assume that everything just naturally evolved. But really, Ed Sable is the one that evolved the way we watch television today. Then we had the next great stab at it when we had the entrance of Fox who said, you know what, In ESPN and those that said, we're going to cover these games and we're showing the crowd and so we can show action and movement in exciting times. So we've had this, this great evolution of really how we come to enjoy a game and so that it feels like you're actually there but it is thanks to people like Ed Sable. So congratulations to you, sir. I do salute you. Dion had a great speech. Everyone really was a it was a really, I think this was a really good class of speeches. Uh, Marshall Fox from Louisiana, always loved to see my own uh, get inducted. Uh, Shannon Sharp by far had my tears going. Uh, I love the fact that he used his speech to talk about the fact that he was the, the probably the only inductee that was the, that is the second best player in his household because because as you know his uh, his uh, brother also a sharp played in the NFL for seven years but has but Sterling Sharp has not been inducted into the Hall of Fame and what's interesting is that Shannon took the opportunity to really state that his brother should. And so I love that he stood, took that moment in time, eight to ten minutes, he took a little longer than that, took that time to actually uh, talk about his brother and talk about those things that were important and those things that motivated him. If you want to get your morning motivation, most definitely, most definitely, please listen to, uh, listen to those those speeches. Uh, They were just, they were phenomenal. They were absolutely phenomenal. If you're a sports buff, then you really appreciate them talking about their mother, their motivation, the things that really moved them, that this was the greatest moment of their life. I mean, to be watching a person, and I mean, you're like, this is truly, I'm watching a person really live out their dream. That's kind of something uh, that is special and exciting. And incidentally enough, if you go to nfl.tv, part of NFL Films, they covered it very well, and actually already have a highlight of each of the speeches individually, as well as a highlight of all of the speeches collectively in a nice, neat, like, four-and-a-half-minute reel. So it's a great time just to to catch up with everyone. Uh, What people talked about for this class was that this was a senior class, meaning that this was not, you know, a whole bunch of people's first time being eligible, but this was kind of some of the makeup, like we like, we really need to get so and so in. We really need to get so and so in because we just can't go another year without so and so being in. And so that's what this this class was about too. But congratulations, Dion Sanders. Uh, of course, I talked about this um, at the start of the show. Dion jumped up and put in his his bandana on his bus. So we'll see what happens with that bust. Uh, I've got to go back now to uh, Canton. I had a film crew there that, that was filming the actual events, but I've got to go back now myself to see what they do with that bus and that bandana. All right, so a quick shout out um, also to the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. As many of you all know, I sit on the executive board of of the chamber, the committee, and I'm a board member and. if if you don't know, the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce is the oldest and the largest Black Chamber of Commerce in the world. I'll say that again. The oldest and the largest Black Chamber of Commerce in the world, making 85 years as a Black Chamber of Commerce. So that, if you're doing the math, the backwards math on that, that's 1926 is when the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce was founded in Dallas, Texas. So just marinate on that idea just for a moment, because that's Extremely uh, significant to understand the climate. Remember, we just got talking about depression, and you put, you add skin color to that, and business owner, and that's just like an anomaly. But just the idea that there were multiple business owners uh, that were able to group up and be strong leaders and and create the organization is just something. Uh, Phenomenal. Uh, But shout out to the outside Chamber of Commerce, all of the members, the board members, and the executive committee working really hard uh, for an upcoming 85th Annual Banquet. 85th Annual Banquet. When have you ever been to an 85th anything, right? 85th Annual Banquet that will be on October 7th, 2011. That banquet's open to everybody. So if you want to come and say hello to me and enjoy the night, go to dbcc.org that's how you get in touch with the chamber or call them 214-421-5200 find out how you purchase your table by tickets and just get involved and join the chamber and just be a part of a wonderful wonderful resource uh, that chamber I will have to tell you is doing some fantastic things to be a great resource to uh to be a great resource to all of its members So And finally, I want to uh, say, how can you support the show? I have lots and lots of people that ask me, how on earth can they support the uh, Jennifer Tebow show? This is not a show where you have to pay to watch, and that's a good thing. I always wanted to be free for all of the listeners to actually watch. Um, And this is a show where right now we've got the ads of others, but that's going to change really soon, where I will start to have my own ads onto the show but today, how can you support the show? Well, you can support some of the things that I put out from the Jennifer Tebow brand. There's tons of great products if you're interested. Books, audiobooks, et cetera. Don't forget I'm you know, I am filming. Filming is underway still for Calling an Audible. I would have loved to be finished, but that story just continues on until so they're capturing a little bit more of the action for the retired football players before I call it a wrap and go into post-production. I am on Facebook. Uh, If you go to facebook.com forward slash Jennifer Tebow, I'm on Twitter. Uh, You can find me on several Twitter accounts. Always some of the best place to go is go to jennifertebow.com, and that will show you other Twitter accounts and, and other websites that I am kind of connected to in some way, and that's your opportunity to actually purchase a book if you're interested, or two or three or four. <laughs> I actually have another book that's coming out um, in the next few weeks, dot com. It is my opportunity to blend the idea of social networking and social branding, so branding outside of just the physical, so yeah, outside of your dress and all that great stuff. It's your opportunity to brand yourself on Twitter, Facebook, and, and just how you do that. Um, I'm excited about that that book and that project, and so it will be really available for me to ship in the next couple of weeks. So that's a good thing. You can always order your copy now, and I will of course sign it. And I've got a, a whole load of audiobooks that are coming out, especially now that I've got this great isolation booth. So it's it's really on. Uh, but you can always catch me on demand, twenty four seven, on Blog Talk Radio dot com forward slash Jennifer Tebow, Ustream.tv, also on iTunes as well. Uh, I, again, you know, I just can't thank you enough for continuing to listen. I believe this is episode 58, 59, something like that. Uh, I'm just really proud of the show. Uh, last thing, really, really important, have you given lately? Uh, as As you all may know, and I think I talked about this in a couple shows back, uh, show me to give. That's that's my new constant campaign about encouraging people to give. We've got to give. I know in this economy we're nervous and we want to just hold on to everything we have, but seriously, we've got to give. This is the way that we're going to learn and grow as individuals and as a community. Is if we give, you see somebody that needs help, help them. If you if it's within you to help help them show me to give. That's one of the the reasons I have all these CDs coming out is because I literally am giving away these audiobooks if you show me to give. So if you write to me and say Jennifer, this is what I did. Um I, you know, gave fans in a fan drive. I participated in this. I handed out meals, whatever it is. If you send me an email, tell me about it. A picture is, would actually be great too. Because I'm going to put it on my blog to reflect to the world that giving is alive and well and that this is how we're going to heal to heal from the things that we have going on. Oh, 90 seconds. I'm so sad. So show me the give. That's, that's really, really, really important. And so please, as you look at this week, I want you to think about what could you do this week? Maybe you go to your local chamber of commerce, even a black chamber of commerce, and give of your time. Uh, and volunteer. There's a great organizations, uh, even Operation Hope has a huge uh, volunteerism effort called Hope Corps. Uh, and Hope Corps is a volunteer effort to be able to educate volunteers and get them applied in the right areas w- within their community. What's really important is by the end of this week, make sure you give. And not just to your family, but give to someone outside of the boundaries of your family, your neighbors. Just look around you. It's interesting that we can live in a city with such just luxurious things and just such poor, poor circumstances. It cannot exist in a city, and it it happens because people didn't do just that, extend beyond their boundaries. So, all right, that's it. Guys, it's been fantastic and wonderful. Again, this is the perfect start for me for a Monday. I hope it is the perfect start for you as well. Again, I'm Jennifer Tebow. I always tell people I'm not necessarily the, the actual message, although I like to give messages, um, or the messenger. I'm the connection to people, information, in, and resources. I really hope that you guys have a just fantastic day.